This is the Morning Rush. Coming up on today's show, we will recap a busy day in the West Virginia high school basketball playoffs. Could the Frankfort, Tucker County, and Pendleton County girls survive and advance? Could the Hampshire boys punch their very first ticket to the state tournament? The Pirates hosted the first place Royals last night. The race gets even tighter in the NHL's East Division, and we'll have some more NFL draft talk as we are just one day away, finally, from the first round going down tomorrow night in Cleveland. All that and whatever else I can come up with in the the next two hours of the morning rush. Good morning to you. How the heck are you? So glad to have you on board. So glad you could take some time to tune in and hang out as we kick off yet another essential work day. Several ways to get involved on the show. And today would be a good day to do it because I got to be honest, I'm not feeling well. Allergies are just hammering me today. And I forgot to take my pill. I just say peel. Pill. There's a difference between pill and peel. And I got all kinds of stuff going on here in the uh, upper facial nasal region. Just, it's not good. It's not good. So get involved. Did you hear that? See, I got a little... Got some stuff in the throatal region as well. well. Hit me up on Twitter, at ESPN Morning Rush. Not to mention, I got a four-hour sleep last night. Because, in case you didn't know this, if you've never been to a high school track and uh, field event, those things last forever! (laughs) I'm not lying. I'm not lying. Had to go to uh, Kaiser last night. Track meet down there. And things started at 4.30. I don't think I got home until a little after 9. And I hadn't eaten dinner yet. So I had to eat. And by the time I got to bed, it was, it was late. Look, I like track and field. But, again, if you've never been to a track and field meet, it's a lot of hurry up and wait. Like, the events themselves, very exciting. right? I don't mind track and field at all. I like the races, the field event, I like it all. But, man, there's just a lot of downtime. Not to mention, in fact, it was 90 degrees yesterday. And we made the brilliant decision to sit on the sunny side of uh, Kaiser Stadium. <laughs> Didn't really think that one through. So anyway, that's why I made my coffee extra strong this morning. Hit me up on Twitter at ESPN Morning Rush, at Rush Tony C. Our Facebook page at Cumberland's ESPN Radio. All of those pages free and open to the public. Like them, follow them, 
Anytime you feel froggy, take the leap, drop me a line, say, hey, ask me a question. You want to talk about something, comment, opinion, feel free. Get on the socials. Also, taking your calls on the rush line, 301-759-2628. Your chance, as always, to dial and dance. Shamo, 301-759-2628. And, of course, our podcast page on the free Podbean app. We upload every show every day, minus commercials. Go back and listen to anything you missed. It's all right there for your convenience. So several ways to get involved as we uh, kick off the show, as we kick off every show, pretty much, with a rock around the region. I want to rock! And we start with high school basketball and the West Virginia Girls Estate Tournament, which got underway yesterday at the Civic Center in Charleston. Tucker County advanced to the Class A semifinals with a 50-38 to win over Webster County. Uh, Macy Helmick and Katie Colbank each had 16 points for the Mountain Lions, who will next face top-seeded Tug Valley. Uh, Tug beat number 8 Pendleton County last night, a 67-24. Elsewhere in A, number 4 Frankfurt season came to an end with a 50-45 loss to number 5 Williamstown. Amarie Perdue had 18 points, and Haley Smith had 11 for the Falcons, who end the year at 14-4. We will get into those games uh, in much more depth later on this hour. On the boys' side, the AAA field is set for next week's state tournament. And can we give it up for the Hampshire boys? They are going dancing for the first time in school history, which I had no idea until last night. I knew it had been a long time. But there is no time longer than never. I had no clue they'd never been to the state tournament. Well, they're going now. The Trojans beat North Marion 52-41 to win a Region 1 co-final in Romney. Christian Hicks and Trevor Sardo each had 13 points for Hampshire. And again, uh, we'll get into this game uh, much more later on. In Major League Baseball, the Pirates. Yes, the Pirates. We're trying to get over 500 as they hosted Kansas City. Newman runs, and the pitch is swung on, lofted to center. Taylor was playing in. He's racing in. He can't get it. Here comes Starrings to score. The Pirates lead it 2-1. to one. Joe blocked the call on the Pirates radio network. 2-1 the final. The Pirates win on that Wilmer Defoe RBI single in the seventh inning. After a 1-6 start, the Bucks are back over 500 at 12-11 and are tied for second place in the NL Central with the Cardinals. Uh, Tanner Anderson and three relievers combined on a four-hitter for the Bucks. Elsewhere, at the Blue Jays' home away from home in Florida, Vlad Guerrero Jr. had himself a night against the Nationals. Two and one. Swing and a drive. Get up, ball. Get out of here. And grand slam for Vladdy Guerrero Jr. The call on Sportsnet 590, grand slam for Vlad Jr. off Max Scherzer that he raced a 3-0 deficit in the third inning, but he wasn't done yet. Here's the 3-2 pitch. Swinging a drive deep to center. Get up, ball. Get out of here. Gone. His second home run of the night to straightaway center. 
Guerrero's uh, solo shot in the fifth made it 7-3 Toronto. And just for good measure. Swing and a drive. Get up, ball. Get out of here. How about a three-homer night for Vladdy? Well, he found the ball he wanted to hit. You know what's what have been the most impressive thing about uh, what he has done tonight? The grand slam went to left. The solo home run, run went to center. And this one's going to go to right. Three dingers, seven runs batted in for Vlad Jr. as the Jays beat the Nats 9-5. to Washington lost despite hitting four home runs of their own. Uh, two by Trey Turner and one each from Yadiel Hernandez and Ryan Zimmerman. And in Baltimore, the Yankees went yard three times to beat the Orioles 5-1. Uh, Michael Franco had two hits and an RBI for the O's. On the ice last night, the door to first place in the East Division keeps on revolving uh, after the Capitals took on the Islanders. Back down into Orlov, who gets hit deep into the Islanders' zone. Ryan Pulak got hit. Sprung with a shot out of the corner. He scores! Oh my, what a strong move to the front of the net by Daniel Sprung. That's three in two games. It's one. Nothing. Washington. John Walton, the call on the Caps radio network. Sprung's goal was the only one of the game. As the Caps beat the Isles 1-0 to move back into first place in the East Division. Uh, Vita Vanacek made 18 saves for the shutout. The Caps are now one point ahead of the Penguins because they lost to Boston 3-1 in Pittsburgh. Uh, Jeff Carter had the only goal for the Pens, who had their four-game win streak snapped. And, oh, by the way, tomorrow and Saturday, the Caps and Pens hook up for two games in Washington. And in college football, West Virginia and Tennessee have agreed to open the 2028 season against each other in the Dukes-Mayo Classic in Charlotte. Now, the teams met for the first time ever in Charlotte in 2018, which the Mountaineers won 40-18. Date of the game is Saturday, September 2nd, so uh, make sure you mark your calendars for that game, uh, which is seven years from now. And that is your rock around the region. It's ridiculous. Brought to you by the Caporale Group. In a season, basketball season, then going back to football season, where teams were just scheduling other teams on the fly, right? Because of the, the COVID. One team had to bail out, so you had to reschedule on the fly. You had to bring this team in at the last second. Trying to fill the schedule, especially in basketball. You had all these games being postponed or canceled. Teams are picking up other teams, you know, within days. And we still have these schedules being made six, seven years in advance. I don't get it. I don't get it. Why they continue to lock in games seven years down the road. You don't know how how good the Mountaineers are going to be in 2028. You don't know how good Tennessee is going to be in 2028. That game could be an absolute dud. They both might be terrible. And who wants to tune into that? Unless you're, of course, a West Virginia or Tennessee fan. Like One or two years in advance, I get it. 
because you don't want to scramble for teams late to fill your schedule, but seven, eight, come on. Is it, is it really necessary? And since when do we start naming games at the beginning of the season? Like, is that what we're going to start doing now? It's, it's bad enough that we have 87 bowl games, all with sponsors, right? Now we're going to start sponsoring early games? So now we're going to have kind of a bowl game to begin with and bowl games to end it. Can't wait. I'm excited. I'm on pins and needles, edge of my seat for the Duke's Mayo Classic in Charlotte. Mountaineers, Volunteers, September 2nd, 2028. Hope I'm around by then, right? I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone seven years from now. Anyway. Uh, I can't believe the Pirates are in first place. I really can't. It's truly amazing. After the start they had. Now, this is wrong. It it says here the Pirates are above 500 for the first time since May 27th, 2019. That's not true because they're a 1-0 this season. So technically they were above 500 a month ago. But if you want to look at this late in the season, so yeah. They're 12 and 11. They're above 500 for the first time in nearly two years. And this after, again, a, a one in six start. I st- I'm still waiting for the wheels to fall off. Eventually they will, I think. But you got to give them all the credit in the world. What, what uh, manager Derek Shelton's doing and the pitching coach Oscar Martin with that ragtag starting rotation, and the bullpen, which is turning in to one of the best bullpens in baseball. I mean, who would have thought that? Richard Rodriguez, who came into the season as kind of the de facto closer. They really didn't have a closer in place. They were kicking around the idea of closer by committee, but he is really settled in to that role. He pitched another 1-2-3 ninth last night. His 21st straight scoreless appearance. That is good. Now, again, eventually he's going to give up a run. It happens to everybody. But uh, the job they're doing, especially with the bullpen, and they're getting starts from guys like Tanner Anderson, who had a really good start last night. Then a bullpen picked him up from there. Let me try to find Anderson's numbers. I know it was like one run on three hits. And if you're asking yourself, who in the heck is Tanner Anderson, I understand. Because I didn't know either before this season. But that's what they're doing. They're just throwing <laughs> they're throwing darts blindfolded and hoping, you know, they hit the bullseye. Anderson last night, who's Anderson is the only lefty in the in the rotation. Six innings, one run on three hits, five K's and two walks. Solid start for him. Then the bullpen took over three scoreless innings, only allowing one hit over those final three innings. So if you want to ask yourself, what, how are the Pirates doing it? That's how. That They're getting some timely hitting, and, and the pitching is performing well above expectations. I'm talking well above expectations. And look, yesterday... 
they took on a Kansas Kansas City had the best record in baseball heading into last night's game. They're 14 and 7. They were 14 and 7 and they had won five straight games heading into last night and the Pirates just shut them down. I have to get excited about it now because I'm not I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm waiting for the dam to burst and all the losses just come flooding in. So we'll take it. And as I mentioned in uh, the Rock Around the Region, the Bucks are tied for second. The Cardinals and Bucks are both 12 and 11. They're two games behind a first place Milwaukee in the NL Central. Which makes this upcoming series with the Cards actually pretty important. Who would have thought that? Now, again, it's, we're only a month in, so it's hard to call, you know, series. Every, every game counts, or every series counts. Because they got KC tonight, then they have three at home against the Cardinals. How about that? Go ahead, Bucks. Nationals are a mess. I played in the Rock Around the Region, you know, Vlad Guerrero Jr., his three homer night. And one uh, one cool little uh, tidbit of information from that game. He hit that uh, third inning grand slam off of Max Scherzer. Because the Nats jumped out to a 3-0 lead. Uh, Trey Turner homered in the first, I think, what, first two innings? And then Hernandez homered to make it 3-0. And then Vlad <laughs> gave Toronto the lead with that granny off of Scherzer in the third. And Scherzer joined Yvonne Nova. Remember Yvonne Nova pitched for the Pirates for a little bit, Yankees and everybody else? The only two pitchers to have allowed a homer to both Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Vlad Guerrero Sr. Uh, Senior Guerrero took Scherzer deep twice. Uh, once in 2010 with the Rangers and once in 2011 with the Orioles, which was his final season. So how about that? Scherzer got tagged by both Vlad Guerreros, including that grand slam last night. And the Blue Jays, uh, for you Orioles fans, they're back to 500 at 11 and 11. The Nats, uh, they fell to 8 and 12. And the Orioles lost last night. It was going to happen. Like I said yesterday, they weren't going to sweep the Yankees at Camden Yards. And so now they're both, they're back to being tied for last place uh, in the AL East. So there you go. A little baseball wrap right there. Uh, Yanks and O's both four and a half games out of first uh, behind Boston in the East. All right. When we come back, time for a break. A little news and uh, weather coming up. When we return, we will dive into the high school basketball playoff pool. All kinds of action going on yesterday on both the girls and the boys' side and more action tonight. We'll go over it all next. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230 Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Uh, Did I hear... uh, during Amanda's news break that uh, Governor Hogan supports uh, getting kids back into in-person learning. Did I I hear that right? The uh, State Board of Ed voted unanimously to require Maryland school systems, right, 
in-person learning in the 2021-22 school year? Uh, guess what, Gov? Uh, they should be doing it now. Look around you, Maryland. Look at the states around you. Don't know what you're waiting for. I mean, it's great that they're offering, you know, full in-person learning next school year. They should have been doing it this school year. I don't know what more you need to see. I don't know what more you need to know. I don't know what exactly you're all waiting for. Seriously. I guess it's a good it's a step in the right direction for Maryland. But they should have taken that step a long time ago. Also saw yesterday. You see about the uh, the the CDC saying that the fully vaccinated people can get out and about now with no mask, right? It's still under certain uh, situations. I'll take it. <laughs> fully vaccinated people can engage in these outdoor activities without masks, walking, running, hiking, or biking alone. My question is, if you were before, if you were walking or running alone, were you really, do you really need a mask? Come on. If you're, by your, if you're by yourself outside, really? Anyway, I'm telling you right now, and I told Mr. C this yesterday, as we you know get closer into the and deeper into the summer months, we're going to start seeing things blow wide open. Things are just going to, there's going to be a lot of nervous people in this country. Because I'm telling you, we're going to start seeing things, these restrictions get more and more relaxed, and more things are going to start opening up, and there's going to be a lot of conflicted people. Personally, I'm all for it. Let's go. I got my vaccine. I'm vaccinated. Let's rock and roll. And I encourage anybody else to get the shots, and let's go. Let's get back. Let's get back to normal. Let's go already. I mentioned earlier in the hour that I was at the uh, the track meet at uh, Kaiser High School yesterday. And I'm telling you, if there were, and I'm guessing here, right, if there were 200 people there, not counting the athletes, just like people in the stands and whatnot, and I don't know what the number was. I'm just throwing a number out. If there were 200, maybe 40 had masks on outside. I know everybody sitting around me didn't have one on, and I didn't care one bit. It felt good. It felt good to be sitting outside, nice, sunny, 90-degree day, and everybody just enjoying a track meet and nothing else. I'm telling you, we're going to start seeing more and more of that uh, as these months progress. As more and more people get vaccinated and we start getting more out and about. I'm telling you, it's going to start opening up. And I'm all for it. Let's go, baby. All right. Let's get back to sports here, shall we? A lot to go over with high school hoops. So let's get to that. And we'll start with really one of the better stories of the entire season. That's the Hampshire boys team heading to the state tournament for the first time ever. And again, I had no idea. I knew it was a long time. I knew I couldn't remember the last time they were in the state tournament because they never were. I didn't know that. But they are. They hosted North Marion last night, 
for a, uh, re- a Region 1 co-final. And, obviously, they won their very first region title, 52-41. And in a game that really wasn't even that close. Because at one point, uh, Hampshire was up 43-21 after they went on a 16-0 run in the third quarter. Trevor Sardo, Christian Hicks, big-time games. Uh, Sardo had uh, 13 points, 7 boards, 3 steals. Hicks, he had 13 points on 6 of 7 shooting. That is what we call efficient. He had 5 boards and 2 blocks. Defensively, Hampshire brought the A game last night. They held North Marion to 27% shooting. The Huskies were 14 of 52 from the field. And Hampshire forced 15 turnovers. Probably the only the only bad spot for Hampshire is they turned the ball over 18 times. That was that was the one number, negative number that stuck out, that stuck out. And I say stuck, stuck out to me. Uh, for Hampshire. And uh, North Marion's season has now ended in the regional round five straight years, which counts last season when they didn't even get a chance to play at Kaiser in a region final because COVID shut everything down. So North Marion, the last five seasons, always a bridesmaid, never the bride, having lost in the regional round. And, And really... I mean, what a great turnaround for head coach Danny Alkire. Just his it was his third year, right? He was hired in uh, October 2018, right? Somewhere around there. So this is his third, 18, 19, 19, 20, 20, 21. Yeah, third year. And he gets his team to Charleston for the first time in school history. That's an amazing job. They've only lost two games this year. They're, four, what, 14 and 2, 15 and 2, somewhere around there. So they punched the ticket last night. Very exciting. But now comes the even tougher part. Because the Trojans will be the eight seed in next week's uh, tournament. And they will have to face a lot of people's favorite to win the whole thing. Number one, Robert Seabird. In the first round, next Wednesday at 530. Uh, RCB won its Region 2 co-final last night, 84-66 over Grafton. The Eagles have now won 20 Two straight games. So uh, the entire uh, AAA state field looks like this. RCB top seed, Fairmont Senior at 15-1 and one is the second seed. Most people around the state, if they're not picking RCB to win it, they're picking Fairmont State to win it. And they won the other Region 2 title without even having to play because Lincoln had to forfeit due to COVID issues. So Fairmont Senior just skates right into the state tournament. Polar Bears will face the seven seed, Region 4 co-champ Winfield, which beat Logan in overtime, uh, 56-53. Shady Spring is the third seed after beating Nicholas County 93-93. Put up 90, almost a hundo, 93-44 in one Region 3 co-final. They will face... The other Region 3 champ, Herbert Hoover, which will be the sixth seed. Hoover advanced with a uh, 79-58 win over Westside. And all that leaves now is the 4-5 game. Region 4 co-champ Nitro is the four seed after taking out Lincoln County last night, 53-34. And Wheeling Central is the fifth seed after winning the other Region 1 title, which is the same region as Hampshire, 
46-41 over Trinity. Now, all four AAA games will be played next Wednesday, of course, at the Civic Center in Charleston. Shady Spring and Herbert Hoover will tip things off at 9.30. Then it's Fairmont Senior and Winfield at 1. RCB in Hampshire at 5.30. And the last game of the day, Nitro and Wheeling Central at 9. Now, two more fields will be set after tonight's action, Quad A and Single A. In Quad A Region 2, down in the Panhandle, 10-5 Musselman is at 13-1 Martinsburg. And in the other co-final, Hedgesville, at just 5-9, is at 10-4 Jefferson. And then Class A, Region 2, tonight. Pendleton County puts a 35-game win streak on the line, longest win streak in the state in any class, when it hosts a 5-7 East Hardy, and 11-5 Tucker County is hosting 8-4 at Tigers Valley. And then tomorrow night, uh, the double-A field uh, will be set. So a lot of action, a lot of things still to be determined, decided. Triple-A in the books. Next three classes will be over the next uh, two days, tonight and tomorrow. And again, and I'm hoping my main man, Brian Chase, can come through for us once again. Uh, Brian has supplied audio for us for most of the season with uh, from Hampshire. He, of course, is at our sister station, 100.1 The Wolf. Not putting any pressure on Brian. I'm, I'm not putting no pressure. No, none at all. But I'm hoping that he'll be able to get Danny Alkire on so you know, we can hear from Coach. It's got to be an incredible thing. It really does. It really does. To be in just your third year on the job and to do something that no coach has ever done in the history of the school and that's take a team to the state tournament. That is exciting. That's that is amazing. And so hopefully we'll be able to hear from Coach Alkire at some point uh, before they hop on a bus and head down to Charleston uh, next week. Again, uh, Brian Chase, uh, no pressure. You can get around to it. You can go ahead and get around to it. All right, uh, it's too late to get into the grill. Well, let's go. Let's take a break. All right, and then when we come back. We'll look at the uh, the girls' side of things. While the boys are fighting it out this week to see who plays in Charleston next week, the girls are already there. Tournament kicked off yesterday with six games. We'll recap all of that when we come back. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Wednesday, hump day morning. Where's my liner sheet? I don't know where it's at. Ah! There it is. I'm a little bit uh, discombobulated right now. We got Nationals baseball on the air tonight. The Nats wrapping up their brief uh, two-game interleague uh, series with The Blue Jays down in Florida. The Jays are home away from home. So tune in uh, for that. And Nats fans, you can get your digital copy of the 2021 Washington Nationals Media Guide and first edition of the 2021 Nationals Magazine. Uh, Visit nationals.com slash publication. So there you go. 
get involved, Nats fans. All right, back to high school hoops. And uh, we talked boys last segment, the Hampshire boys. Congrats to them punching their very first ticket. I got to find how long it's been. I mean, obviously it's been forever. But I want to know exactly, and if anybody knows, uh, well, you can't text me unless you know my personal number. And if you do, I have questions about that. Hit me up on Twitter at ESPN Morning Rush. Leave me a message or on Facebook at Cumberland's ESPN Radio or call me 301-759-2628. I want to know how long it's been. How long has that boys basketball program been in existence? I guess probably, I would assume, as as long as Hampshire's been in existence, right? So I guess whenever Hampshire School was founded or whatever, I want to know how many years that's been. Like, how many years has the Hampshire Boys program waited to get to the state tournament? Because they're going for the first time ever, after last night. So, while the boys are fighting it out to see who plays in Charleston next week, the girls are already there. And the tournament kicked off yesterday with six games, three involving regional teams. Unfortunately, only one is moving on. And that's Tucker County, the fourth seed uh, who took on number five, Webster County, and super sophomore Sydney Baird. And we talked about uh, Sydney yesterday. She went into the game. Look, this is a girl who's already scored 1,000 points in her career. Sophomore season isn't even over yet. And she had a thought, she's averaging 30 points a game this season. And Tucker County held the entire Webster County team to just 38. And they won the game last night 50 to 38. Now Baird still managed to score 23, but the rest of the Highlanders combined to score 15. And you might think, well, hey, look, 23 points, you know, it's only seven points off her average. Still a good number. But you have to consider that she attempted 34 of Webster's 53 field goals. And she made just eight of them. She was eight of 34 from the field. Baird made the first basket of the game, and then they never had a lead after that. Once Tucker took the lead, they never gave it back up. London Hood, fantastic game for Tucker County. She was mainly responsible for guarding Baird. And she had a great overall night. 11 points, 9 assists, 5 rebounds, and 2 steals. Katie Colbank, who we also talked about yesterday, actually Colbank and Baird are teammates on the AAU circuit. Katie Colbank and Macy Helmick, uh, each went for a 16 points. And Tucker head coach Dave Helmick said, overall, man, job well done. Most part, we did did well. Gotten lost focus there last minute or two, but uh, we're young. And some of that's just learning stuff. But uh, for the most part, great game and uh, just happy to get a win and move on. So now the Mountain Lions move on. And they will take on number one Tug Valley in the semifinals tomorrow. Tug as expected, not much trouble with uh, number eight, Pendleton County, uh, 67-24. Pendleton ends its season at 
six and five. They actually they lost a lot of games uh, for COVID reasons. Now that game tomorrow night between Tug Valley and Tucker County at uh, seven fifteen. And as we've stated before, Tucker County is in the state tournament for the seventeenth straight season. However, they haven't won or even played for a state title since nineteen ninety eight, when they were still in uh, they were still a double A team back in ninety eight. So, it's a great run. Obviously, seventeen straight seasons going to the state tournament. We're talking, you know, uh, talk about a contrast. Uh, two teams on a different end, you know, each end of the spectrum. The Hampshire boys getting to the state tournament for the first time ever. Tucker County girls have been there seventeen straight years, but in those seventeen years, they haven't even made a title game. Or not? Well, what is what is ninety eight? What's uh, that's that's more than seventeen years, right? No, no, yeah, it is because ninety eight, two thousand eight, twenty. Yeah, that's that's like that was like twenty three years ago. So that wasn't even during this streak when they made it uh, to a, the final, a double A final in '98. So during this seventeen year streak, they haven't even made it to a title game, which is to take nothing away from that streak. Don't get me wrong, but that's that's, that's actually the streak itself is incredible. It's also incredible that they haven't even played for a title. So they got a chance tomorrow if they can get by Tug Valley, and it won't be easy that they can finally get to that Class A title game uh, for the first time uh, during this entire streak. Uh, other game yesterday. Is it too late to get into this right now? Let, let's, let's tell you what. Let's table this for the next hour because I want to get into the Frankfurt-Williamstown game and I don't have enough time. I only have three minutes before the break, so let's just kind of we'll, we'll carry that over to the next hour. So now I got to fill uh, three minutes. <laughs> Maybe I can sing a song. I don't know. Oh, okay. Here's a headline. I just 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 ran past my feed here. Uh, for those of you concerned about the uh, Ravens quarterback situation, don't be. John Harbaugh, Ravens head coach, was on the Rich Eisen show yesterday, and he says he guarantees that the Ravens will pick up Lamar Jackson's fifth year option before this coming Monday's deadline. Jackson <laughs> will make a guaranteed $23 bucks next season, which is a slight raise over the $1.7 he'll make. The, can you imagine? A quarterback of his caliber, Lamar Jackson, MVP two seasons ago, He's going to make $1.7 million this season. Let's go to the rush line. Make it quick. You're up. Who's this? James, what's up, dude? What's up, man? I hope I'd, I was hoping I could fill in the last 90 seconds or yes. whatever until commercial. I, I think this is interesting. There's a lot of people in uh, the sports media that's surprised that the Ravens sent Orlando Brown to Kansas City. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's the anchor of the offensive line. I don't think it's that surprising. You know, a left tackle is a quarterback's blind side. You know, he he's blocking the blind side. How often does Lamar Jackson stay in the pocket? That's true. You know, yeah. his first instincts to pick up and run. Well, what if he what if he gets hurt? Who's his backup? 
RG three? No, I don't think. I think didn't he retire? Is he still there? I, I thought don't he, know. I thought he left. Well, they have someone like him back. In I their think mind. they have Trace McSorley back here right now. Oh. The former Penn State. I don't think it's a matter of. Well, I can't believe the Ravens traded Brown because of Lamar Jackson. I think it was. I can't believe they traded him to the Chiefs. The one team the Ravens can't beat. They have, yeah, they have to get through them to get to the Super Bowl. Right. I, right, think, right, I right. think people had more of a problem with that than anything else. Like, how could you send a, a two-time Pro Bowl tackle at 25 years old to the Chiefs to protect right. Patrick Mahomes? I think that was the big issue. Well, I, I, I'm just not surprised with it just because of the quarterback that they have running that offense. It's like having a sports car that you never drive. Just go ahead and get rid of it. It's <laughs> costing you a ton of money. So if Orlando Brown's not really helping out that offense because of who the quarterback is, yeah, yeah. just it is unusual who they traded him to. Yes, I yeah, got yeah, there. yeah. And look, if the Ravens can turn those draft picks and, and and the draft picks work out, well, then it's a win-win situation for both teams. Well, the speculation is they're going to use that second-round pick for next year to trade with Atlanta to get Julio Jones. It's I've heard that. I've heard that. So that may be beneficial, not right now, but maybe next year. Right, right. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. Yep. All right. All right, brother. Got to run, man. Thanks a lot. Take it easy. Uh-huh. Bye. 301-759-2628. Yeah, it wasn't so much that, you know, Brown protecting Lamar Jackson. It, now he's going to protect Patrick Mahomes. So good luck with that. All right. Hour number one in the books. When we come back, we'll talk about the Frankfurt-Williamstown game yesterday. Stick around, 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This is the Morning Rush. Hour number two, as I was saying, underway here on uh, Cumberland's ESPN Radio. Brought to you by Thomas Cumberland with locations in Bedford, Johnstown, and of course, Cumberland. Tony C. in the big chair, live. From the palatial ESPN studio, high atop Industrial Boulevard, at least 10 feet up. On the south side of the Queen City, baby. Reminder, uh, several ways to get involved on the show. Just heard uh, James call in at the end of last hour. Rush line open, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance. Shum on. 301, that wasn't one of my better ones. 301-759-2628. Hit me up on Twitter at ESPN Morning Rush, at Rush Tony C, our Facebook page at Cumberland's ESPN Radio, and of course our podcast page on the free Podbean app. We upload every show every day, minus commercials just for you. If you missed part of the show, go back, check it out. For instance, if you missed last hour, We talked about the Pirates, which we'll talk about here in a second when we rock around the region. Some high school hoops, which again, we'll talk about here when we rock around the region. And, uh, well, that was about it. And Lamar Jackson, uh, John Harbaugh, guaranteeing, guaranteeing the Ravens will pick up his uh, 50-year option, which would jump his salary from uh, 1.7 mil to a 22 mil. That's what you call getting a raise. (laughs) Jeez. All right. Before we get into uh, back into high school basketball. Well, actually, we'll get into it now as we rock around the region. I want to rock right now. We'll get into it more in more in depth here in just a bit.
But we'll start with high school hoops, the West Virginia Girls State Tournament, which got underway yesterday in Charleston. Tucker County advanced to the Class A semifinals with a 50-38 win over Webster County. Macy Helmick and Katie Colbank each had 16 points for the Mountain Lions, who will face top-seeded Tug Valley on Friday. Or is that tomorrow? That's tomorrow, not Friday. Tug Valley beat Pendleton County yesterday 67-24. Elsewhere in A, a game we'll talk about here in just a bit, uh, Frankfurt, uh, their season is over after a 50-45 loss to number 5 Williamstown. Uh, Marier Perdue, 18 points. Haley Smith, 11 for the Falcons, who end the year at 14-4. and On the boys' side, the AAA field is set for next week's uh, boys' state tournament. And Hampshire is going dancing for the first time in school history. The Trojans beat North Marion 52-41 to win the Region 1 final in Romney. Christian Hicks and Trevor Sardo each had 13 points for Hampshire. The Trojans will be the 8th seed next week, and they will face the number 1 seed, Robert C. Bird, on Wednesday. In Major League Baseball, the Pirates were trying to get over the 500 mark as they hosted Kansas City. Newman runs, and the pitch is swung on, lofted to center. Taylor was playing in. He's racing in. He can't get it. Here comes Starlings to score. The Pirates lead it 2-1. to one. Joe blocked the call on the Pirates radio network. 2-1 the final. The Pirates win on that Wilmer Defoe RBI single in the seventh inning. After a 1-6 start, the Bucks are back over 500 at 12 and 11 and are tied for second place in the NL Central with the Cardinals. Tanner Anderson and three relievers combined on a four-hitter for the Bucks. Elsewhere, at the Blue Jays, home away from home in Florida, Vlad Guerrero Jr. had himself a night against the Nationals. Two and one. Swing it and drive. Get up, ball. Get out of here. And grand slam for Vladdy Guerrero. The call on Sportsnet 590, grand slam for Vlad Jr. off of Max Scherzer that he raced a 3-0 deficit in the third inning, but he wasn't done yet. Here's the 3-2 pitch. Swinging a drive deep to center. Get up, ball. Get out of here. Gone. His second home run of the night to straightaway center. That solo shot in the fifth made it 7-3 Toronto. And just for good measure. Swing it and drive. Get up, ball. Get out of here. How about a three-homer night for Vladdy? Well, he found the ball he wanted to hit. You know what's what have been the most impressive thing about uh, what he has done tonight? The grand slam went to left. The solo home run, run went to center. And this one's going to go to right. Again, the call's on Sportsnet 593. Dingers and seven RBI. For Vlad Jr., as the Jays beat the Nats 9-5, Washington lost the game despite hitting four home runs of their own, two by Trey Turner and one each from Yadiel Hernandez and Ryan Zimmerman. Now, that grand slam came off of Max Scherzer, which made Scherzer just the second pitcher to allow home runs to both Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Sr., Yvonne Nova was the other pitcher. So Scherzer got tagged in his career by both Vlad Guerreros. And in Baltimore, the Yankees homeward three times. To beat the Orioles 5-1, Michael Franco had two hits 
and an RBI for the O's. On the ice last night, the door to first place in the East Division kept on revolving as the Capitals took on the Islanders. Back down into Orlov, who gets hit deep into the Islanders' zone. Ryan Pulak got hit. Sprung with a shot out of the corner. He scores! Oh, my! What a strong move to the front of the net by Daniel Sprung. That's three in two games. It's one nothing. Washington! John Walton, the call on the Caps Radio Network. Sprung's goal, the only one of the game as the Caps blanked the aisles one nothing to move back into first place in the East Division. Uh, Vita Vanacek made 18 saves for the shutout. The Caps are now one point ahead of the Penguins because they lost to Boston 3-1 in Pittsburgh. Jeff Carter had the only goal for the Pens, who had their four-game win streak snapped. And, oh, by the way, tomorrow and Saturday, the Caps and Pens will hook up for two games in Washington. And in college football, West Virginia and Tennessee have agreed to open the 2028 season against each other in the Dukes-Mayo Classic in Charlotte. Now, the teams met for the first time ever in Charlotte back in 2018, which the Mountaineers won that game 40-18. to Date of the game is Saturday, September 2nd, so uh, make sure that you uh, mark your calendars for that game, which is seven years from now. And that is your Rock Around the Region brought to you by the Caporale Group. Seven years. The earth may have exploded by then, and we're scheduling games seven years out. Come on. Anyway, getting back to uh, hockey real quick. Things are just getting ridiculously tight in that East Division after last night's action. The Pens went into last night with a one-point lead over the Caps. Unfortunately for the Pens, the Caps won. The Pens lost, so now the Caps are back on top with 68 points. The Pens are a point back now at 67. The Islanders, because they lost to the Caps, they're stuck on 63. And now that Boston win over Pittsburgh now has the Bruins at 62 points. So only six points separates first place Washington and fourth place Boston. And I think right now the Caps have seven games left. The Pens have six. The Isles have seven. And the Bruins, actually, they have a a game in hand on everybody. At least a game in hand. They have eight games left. Which really makes this next little two-game series, it was the biggest series of the season. By far. Penguins at the Capitals tomorrow and then again on Saturday. Biggest series of the season. But the Caps could bury the Pens. If the Caps take both games, they'll have a five-point lead over Pittsburgh. And the Pens will only have five games left. That's that's a hard that's a hard road to hoe when you have a five-point deficit and only five games left. Of course, if the Pens sweep this, you know, both of them, then they'll have a three-point lead over the Caps. And then the Islanders and the Bruins, they'll just sit around and wait and see what happens. So, very crucial two games coming up, which really could decide the division if the Caps can take both uh, from the Pens tomorrow and Saturday. So, there you go.
The Rangers, oh, by the way, uh, still four points behind the Bruins because the Rangers won last night. All right, back to high school hoops. And we talked last hour about Tucker County, uh, the girls advancing after beating Webster County. In double A, the uh, 4 5 game was played yesterday between number four Frankfurt and number five Williamstown. Yellow Jackets uh, got off to a great start, scoring the game's first seven points and then just kept on going from there. Right side jumper for three. Nothing but the bottom of the net for Sophie Falwell. Everyone, Jeff, is getting into the scoring column. Contagious so far for Williamstown, and they are out to a 13 4 lead. 13-4 lead. Fred Persinger and Jeff Jenkins, the call on the uh, WV Metro News uh, Network. Frankfurt would trail by as many as 12 early on, but then went on a 9-0 run, which got them back to within three at 18-15. to So you're like, all right, it's going to be a tight game. They got back into it. Here we go. But Williamstown answered right back. Williamstown on top. Outside jumper for three. Boom. Count it for Nicole Reynolds. That's her first points of the game. And every starter has scored for Williamstown. And they have answered that run by Frankfurt. They have indeed. 29-18. The lead is back to 11. Eight unanswered points by Williamstown. So Falcons go on a 9-0 run. Williamstown answers with an 8-0 run. And Frankfurt didn't score in the final 355 of the first half. And they trailed 29-18 at the break. Tried to make a game of it again in the third quarter. Pulled to within five, 36-31, heading into the fourth. But they could not get any closer than that. Williamstown held FHS scoreless in the first five minutes of the final period. They just, Frankfurt just couldn't get over the hump. Now, there was a late run, I think it was 7-0, that made it like 48-42, but there were only 18 seconds left. So it, it was pretty much done. Falcons just, they ran out of time. And it was really just one of those games where Frankfurt dug itself a hole early and, and just couldn't get out of it. Because Williamstown just... Just seemed to keep him at arm's length, right? FHS would make a run, seemingly get back into it, and then Williamstown would answer right back. And then, you know, like I said, late in that first half, Frankfurt didn't score like the final 355. Then they didn't score in the first handful of minutes in the fourth quarter. Just pockets of just being unable to put the ball in the hole. And they just they just couldn't get it. They, 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 climbed, they climbed the hill a couple times. Right when you're trying to scratch and claw and get back into the game, they climbed the hill a couple times, and just when it seemed like they're about to get to the top of the hill and over, Williamstown would just push them back down the hill. That's that's the kind of game it was. And uh, Frankfurt head coach Mike Miller said after the game, "This is a quote: They got off to a hot start, and we didn't. That was pretty much what dictated the rest of the game." End quote. And Williamstown head coach Fred Sorrow, who's been there for like 50 years, and that's not even an exaggeration, he's been at Williamstown for a very long time. Uh, He agreed. Well, I think getting off to that really good start like that really fueled us. I think it got us us energized. I think these kids thought they could play here. The growth of this team this year 
as far as mental toughness and as far as focus and concentration and not worrying about past mistakes and worrying about an outcome, but just playing right now is phenomenal. Now, along with Frankfurt's uh, cold start, there was a slight disparity at the free throw line. Williamstown made 17 of 21 foul shots. Frankfurt only shot eight and made four. So there is a a 13, excuse me, got a little, little throat in my frog, a 13-point swing right there uh, from the free throw line. So the Falcons wrap up another fine season, 14-4. and four. Williamstown moves on now to face number one and undefeated Parkersburg Catholic in the semifinals on Friday at 1. And Parkersburg cruised past Ravenswood uh, 65 to 22. That was expected because Parkersburg beat Ravenswood two previous times this season by like 27 and 24 points. Last night's game, not even remotely close to that. Now, there are some games today. Third seeded Petersburg gets its chance to move on to the semifinals when it faces number six Charleston Catholic at 11 15. The Hampshire girls also in action in the Triple A quarterfinals. Uh, the Trojans, the seven seed, will take on number two, North Marion, at 1 o'clock this afternoon. So we'll have Petersburg and Hampshire back-to-back in those games today. And again, if you are in or around the uh, Kaiser area, all the games will be on our sister station, AM 1390, in Kaiser. And I do believe you can catch all the games on uh, our mothership's website, uh, wvmetronews.com. So several ways to get involved if you can't make the trip. Well, it's it might be too late if you <laughs> if you wanted to, it might be a little bit too late. And I uh, retweeted a a post, a Twitter post, a tweet earlier this morning, about an hour ago. Uh, Petersburg's uh, high school, their uh, Twitter page at Petersburg HS. Says lots of early risers excited to go see our Lady Vikings play today in Charleston. Hashtag Viking Nation. And it's a picture of <laughs> a lot of tired kids and parents and adults getting on the bus to head on down to Charleston. That's very exciting. It really is. When I see stuff like that, I get pumped up. Any chance uh, your, your team goes, whether you're a player or a coach or a student or a fan or whatever, you get a chance to go down to Charleston or whatever state you're in. I know in Pennsylvania, they, they I think they play them at, at, uh, in Hershey, I do believe. The state title games in Hershey. At least it was back in the day. Of course, Maryland's down at, at College Park, right? So anytime a team can go, it's very exciting. Petersburg, the girls, they're, there, they're going down for the first time since 2007. They haven't been there in 14 years. A lot of these kids weren't, you know, they were still in elementary school when Petersburg last made it to the state tournament. So very exciting for them. And, of course, we talked earlier about the Hampshire boys going for the first time ever in school history. And it's just, you know, and again, when we see things like this, coming off of what happened last year with everything just being shut down, with everything being ended so abruptly, the girls got through, did they get through a full day last year or a partial? I think they got through a full day. 
of the state tournament. And the boys never even made it. They got shut down in in the region finals. You know, so it's been really two full years, pretty much, since we've had state tournament action in West Virginia. So it's just it's great to see it back. It's great to see it back. It's it's great to have you know people excited, getting on the old pet buses, making the trip to Charleston or wherever, and seeing their teams compete. I get excited just seeing the pictures. I do. I remember, and I, I've mentioned this before, about you know my father-in-law who coached hoops in Pennsylvania, and he took two of his teams to the uh, the Quad A state title game in Hershey, and how exciting that was. Like, it just it creates a buzz around the community, right? Try and tell me that there's not a buzz at Hampshire High School today and in and around Hampshire County because the girls are playing today, the boys are going for the first time ever, right? There's a buzz. Everybody's talking about it. They're talking about it at work. We're talking about it here on the show. It's something that the community and the school can rally around. I just remember making those trips to Hershey, uh, you know, back in the day with my father-in-law's teams from Uniontown, PA, and just how great it was. I mean, just the trip, the atmosphere. Now, unfortunately, they lost both of those title games, uh, which I've also talked about here on the show, just devastating stuff. Because, you know, hey, only one team, right? Only one team from each class can cut down the nets. Everybody who goes to every, every team but one, that goes to the state tournament is going home with a loss. But sometimes, you know, hey, the journey is part of the pro. The journey is part of the experience, right? So safe travels to all for those heading to or maybe coming back from Charleston. And the best of luck to all those teams. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. I'm still trying to find. You would think I'd be able to find it by now. Trying to find when the Hampshire High School was founded. And it shouldn't be this hard. I'm trying to find out the the length, the years it's taken for the Hampshire boys to make this take. Because they've never made it before. And I'm 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 working under the assumption that the the boys' basketball program has been around as long as the school has been. So I'm trying to find out when the school was. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. 1960. Really? Hampshire's been around since 1964? So you're trying to tell me? I find that hard to believe. You're trying to tell me that Hampshire's been around since 1964 and the boys' basketball team never made the state tournament? What is that? Do the math. 74, 84, 94, 2004, 2014. It's 57 years? First time in 57 years the Hampshire boys are going to the state tournament. That's incredible. That's amazing. Again, this is assuming they had boys basketball when the school was first founded. Huh. Good on them. Good on them and head coach Danny Alkire. Again, in only his third season on the job. And he does something that no other coach could do in 56 years at Hampshire. Take the team to the state tournament. Good on them. Best of luck. All right, time for a break. News and weather coming up. And then we've got some NFL draft talk around the bend. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, Cumberland's ESPN Radio.
This is the Morning Rush. Tony C in a big chair. As you heard uh, Mr. Big Voice tell you, hit me up on Twitter at ESPN Morning Rush or at Rush Tony C. Uh, Rush line is open 301-759-2628. I got to tell you, I ate uh, way too much pizza yesterday. Just a ridiculous amount. And it wasn't by design. I got out of here late yesterday. Really didn't feel like making lunch at home. So I stopped over here uh, Little Caesars, right? I picked up one of their lunch combos, which I thoroughly enjoy. It's the uh, you know the little four-piece uh, deep dish action, which I like much better than uh, just a regular pizza. So I ate that for lunch. Then... We're at the uh, high school track meet down in Kaiser yesterday evening for an eternity. You probably don't get out of here until about 8.30, right? The thing lasted over four hours. And we're walking to the parking lot, and Mrs. C is like, what are we doing for dinner? Uh, I said, I, I don't know. Because we had to eat. I know my you know little C didn't eat. So she was like, all right. let's." Uh, she said, I'll call uh, Gianni's. There's a free plug for you right there. In Bel Air, you pick it up. I was like, that's fine. I'm one of those people who hate, I hate calling and ordering food. I don't know why. I just do. My wife and I have pretty much had this understanding, this uh, commitment, this thing worked out over the last 20 plus years. She calls and orders, I go get it. I'd much rather get in a car and go pick it up than call and order. I don't know what it is. I got a hang up, no pun intended, about calling on the phone. And or so she calls and orders. I pick it up. So I had pizza for I had pizza for lunch and pizza for dinner. And I just I got pizzaed out. I ate way too much yesterday. Anyway. Let me let me just say this as well before we move on. And I, I I've stated before that to me. Among all of the roads that I've traveled in my life, I-95 is the worst of the worst. And obviously, I've never been on every major roadway and freeway, so there may be worse ones. I don't know. But for me personally, I-95 is literally the highway to hell. It is awful. Coming in a close second to like stretches of roads that I simply can't stand to be on, it is the stretch of road that goes through Kaiser. I have had to gone I have had to go to Kaiser High School I think 3 times in the last week, twice for track meets and another time for an academic excellence uh, dinner for little C. And I got to go back next week now that I think about it. 220 in itself is painful to drive on. Why there's no is 220's got to be one of the busiest roads around here, right? with the exception of I-68. A lot of people travel 220 from Kaiser to Cumberland and vice versa. Why is that still a single or two-lane road? Why there, A bypass should have been constructed yesterday or something. It is, an, especially when you're in a hurry. Because I was in a hurry yesterday to get to the track meet. Because my son, he was doing long jump for the first time ever. And I'm starting to get into this, uh, this mode where I, I need to see everything. 
because things are winding down for my son in high school. So I've got not that I've I've always done that. I, I've tried my damnedest to be at everything he's ever done. And so I want to get to this track meet yesterday. I'm in a hurry because I want to see everything, everything he does before he goes away to college. And you get on 220, and my goodness, if you don't catch the right spots and get behind the right cars, it takes forever to get down 220. And then what's worse than that, when you actually get the Kaiser and you cross the bridge, that stretch from the bridge to Kaiser High School is one of the most painful stretches of road you will ever drive. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. It's like 25 the whole way. It's always backed up. Am I wrong? Tell me I'm not telling the truth. You come down the hill and you cross that bridge, it's just like time stops. And it seems to take an eternity. It can't, what, what is that? It can't be, what, four or five miles? Like once you get into Kaiser to the high school, it takes, it feels like days. I, I just want to drive my car off the road sometimes when I have to drive that stretch. It is absolutely painful. Maybe, uh, maybe I can drive my car off the road, and when the and when the ambulance comes to pick me up, I can say, "Hey, uh, take me to the high school. <laughs> Hit the sirens and take me to the high school. Get me through." Anyway, just felt the need to vent that because it is every single time it is one of the most painful stretches ever. They should build a bridge. They should build a bridge that starts on top of the hill by the chat and chew and just goes right over Kaiser and drops you at the high school. I would even, I would help pay for that. I would do a fundraiser or something. Let's move on. But seriously, though, there should be a bypass. There should be a 220 bypass. I can't believe there isn't. And I see here the Buccaneers are bringing back Antonio Brown. A one-year deal worth about uh, just a little over three mil. So AB goes back to uh, work with TB. That's, I guess, well, Tom Brady and Tampa Bay. Here's, and this is a tweet from uh, ESPN's Field Yates. He says the Buccaneers will bring back in 2021 all 22 Super Bowl starters from last year's title-winning team. They're the only team in the salary cap era to ever do that. Bring back all 22 starters. Their top 16 snap count leaders on offense are coming back. Their top 21 snap count leaders on defense coming back. All of their coordinators, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, special team, all the coordinators, they're coming back. A team that absolutely boat raced the Chiefs last year in the Super Bowl. They're literally bringing everybody back. All the starters, all the coordinators. I mean, they got to be the favorites now, right? Aren't Why wouldn't they be? Brady's showing no signs of slowing down. 
they kept the entire team intact, at least from the starters' aspect. No new coordinators, which means you don't have to learn any new systems or anything like that. Everything is pretty much the same. They got to be the favorites to win it again, back to back. Now, the Chiefs will probably be the second favorite, if not the favorite, because they're the Chiefs. They got Mahomes. They're getting better on the offensive line. The Chiefs will be right there in contention. Green Bay will be there. Teams will be there. But this is just an unprecedented run of continuity to bring back all 22 Super Bowl starters, all the coordinators from the year before. Tampa Bay's going to be scary again. They're going to be scary again, for sure. Uh, As we know very well by now, uh, the NFL draft first round is tomorrow from Cleveland. And I'll have my makeshift mock draft tomorrow. I'm not going to spend too much time on it because I'm going to get everything wrong anyway. And, of course, most of the talk has been about the quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Right? It's all been about the quarterbacks. And it seems pretty much set in stone that Trevor Lawrence is going one to Jacksonville and that the Jets are taking Zach Wilson at number two. Although there's been a push here in the last week or so, a lot of people, including Mel Kuyper Jr., says that Justin Fields should be the second quarterback taken. The Jets would be making a mistake by taking Zach Wilson out of BYU with the second overall pick. However, Robert Mays uh, from The Athletic, I do believe he was on with who last night? Was it Freddie and Fitzsimmons? I think it was. He uh, made his case for the Jets taking Zach Wilson at number two. I'd say that if I were being honest with him, I would want Justin Fields too. But let me play devil's advocate a little bit and and try to talk you into it. Okay. If you look at what Zach Wilson is and what his strengths are, I think he perfectly aligns with what teams are looking for at quarterback in a modern era. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that long ago that having a guy that could throw off platform and was loose and could make these plays out of structure and out of the pocket wasn't the most important thing. But what we've seen over the last five years or so with guys like Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, that ability is so important. And what that does for your offense and the gear it gives your offense, it really takes you somewhere. And it takes you somewhere that very few quarterbacks can do. And I think that's the argument for Zach Wilson, is that he is a, what he gives you from a creativity standpoint and all of those plays that he can make and throws that very few people out of structure can make, there's just an upside there that's hard not to fall in love with. So he makes the case for Zach Wilson. So let's say Lawrence goes one and Wilson goes two. And we discussed this yesterday with the Niners. They're sitting in their number three. And it looked at first like they had their guy, but now not so much. It seems as if, unless they are just putting up one of the greatest smoke screens ever, that they're not sure. It could be Fields, it could be Lance. One guy who seems to be slick. Right now, it seems as if it's either going to be Justin Fields. If you listen to all the experts and gurus and whatnot, it's either going to be Fields or Trey Lance. Somehow, Mac Jones kind of got lost in the shuffle here. Even though you hear a lot of folks say that he is the most NFL ready out of any of them. Yesterday... Uh, the NFL Live crew kind of went around the table 
to discuss that third pick. He reminds me of a young Tom Brady prior to the NFL at Michigan. That's why I think he could be the third overall pick in the draft. Yeah, since the Niners made the major move up from 12 to 3, many believe that Jones is their guy. How yeah. would you validate him as the number three overall pick of the draft? Listen, there's a lot of good tape. You showed it. He is playing with a really good supporting cast, and you are able to play with anticipation when guys get open and run free better than you are when things are, are muddied. Look, I think he's a good prospect. When you're talking about the third overall pick, I definitely see a guy that's athletic deficient by comparison to what we would normally see at that spot of the draft. If you are going to be you know, not as athletic as other guys that are playing the position, you've got to be able to do something that is off the charts to make up for it. So whether it's the mental aspect of the game or whether it's something else, I'm going to use him as an example because he's on with us right now. Kurt Warner joked earlier about maybe not being the most athletic guy. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Nobody had quicker right. hands and the ability to accurately throw a football with quick hands on a vertical hop before he got hit or to anticipate so early when the ball left his hand yep. throwing an in cut, you thought, Wait, who's he throwing to? How's yeah. he know he's going to be right there? You have to be able to do things that make up for maybe some area where you're not as good as everyone else. And so I would just say this, when it comes to the Brady comparison on Mac Jones, you better be right when you are comparing him to the greatest draft <laughs> outlier that we've ever seen. Well, you break it down as many different ways as you want. The most important thing here, and clearly for Kyle Shanahan, is fit. And Kurt, a big part of the conversation is Jimmy Garoppolo. And if you're going to bring in Mac Jones, how is Mac Jones different or better? Yeah, Susie, that, that's a great question because we talk about fit and we throw fit around all the time. And does Mac Jones fit what Kyle Shanahan wants to do? Of course he does. You know, Kyle is a great play designer. He creates easy opportunities for his quarterback and the quarterback has to deliver the football. Mac Jones can do all of that. But I lean towards what Tim was just talking about. I believe you also have to be transcendent. It's great to say, hey, in a perfect world when I design a great play, can you throw it to the open guy? Yes, a lot of guys can do that. But where 49ers have struggled in the past is when they get in the drop back game. And it's not all about Kyle Shanahan designing things. Can their quarterback create opportunities for their offense? We could look at the Los Angeles Rams. I think it's a great example of Jared Goff was a perfect fit for Sean McVay's offense when they were playing their offense. When they had to get away from that, he struggled. Thus, they go trade and get a guy that can be transcendent physically in Matthew Stafford. That, to me, is the question with Mac Jones. Does he fit Kyle Shanahan? Of course. Can he be transcendent? That is going to be the real question. So, just in case you haven't been keeping tabs over the last several weeks and the constant talk about these quarterbacks, uh, Mac Jones has gone from being perhaps the fifth best QB in this class behind Lawrence, Wilson, Fields, and Lance to now being compared to a young Tom Brady. Which again goes to prove my point from a few days ago. We're all guessing when it comes to this stuff. We'll see what happens tomorrow. All right, uh, one final break, then back to wrap it up. Stick around. Cumberland's ESPN Radio. This.
This is the Morning Rush. Let's check on the player who delivered, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. How about players? How about an entire team? And we talked about him earlier in the show a couple times. Worth mentioning one more. The entire Hampshire boys basketball team. The Trojans beat North Marion last night 52-41 to win the Region 1 co-championship and advance to the West Virginia State Basketball Tournament for the first time in the 57-year history of Hampshire High School. The program's very first trip to the state tournament. The Trojans will be the eighth seed in next week's uh, tourney and will face number one Robert Seabird on Wednesday. Head coach Danny Alkire taking the Trojans to the state tournament in just his third year on the job. It's been a long time coming. A long time coming. So the Hampshire boys basketball team are players who delivered, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. So (laughs) I see this headline, and it says uh, it's from college football that Ole Miss fired its offensive line coach days after their spring game. Uh, Offensive line coach, running game coordinator Randy Clements was fired yesterday, just three days after its spring football game. Uh, Clements was entering his second season on the uh, coaching staff. He was hired by Lane Kiffin when Kiffin took over in 2019. Sources uh, told ESPN that Clements was fired for football reasons and not related to any kind of uh, off-the-field issues. And that Kiffin informed Clements that he was making the move yesterday morning. I don't know what the football reasons were. (laughs) How bad do you got to be? To get fired after your spring game when you're literally playing against your own players. I mean, I've never I've never seen that before. After a season, sure. After an underperforming, underwhelming season, sure. I've never seen a coach fired after the team's spring game. So you think you had a bad day. You could be Randy Clements. Who, got, who was so bad, he got fired after facing his own team. <laughs> I see uh, Floyd Mayweather is going to fight again, maybe, possibly. I don't know. Uh, there's this guy, Logan Paul, who apparently fights anybody. I don't even know who this clown is. YouTube sensation turned boxer, Logan Paul. He's going to take on five-time champ Floyd Mayweather at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami on June 6th. It'll be a Showtime pay-per-view. What what are we doing? What this is is this this is where boxing's gone, really? This is this is another money grab for Floyd Mayweather. Logan Paul, I don't even know. I don't know this dude. I know the name. I mean Mayweather like he retired after another clown match against Conor McGregor, right? 
and now he's coming back to fight Logan Paul. I don't I don't get this. Mayweather is 50 and 0. One of the greatest pound for pound boxers of all time. And he's fighting Logan Paul who is 0 and 1 with zero knockouts in one fight. What are we doing here? Come on, boxing. Yeah, I'm not wasting my money on that. No. I w- I wouldn't waste the time. Even if somebody else bought it, I wouldn't waste the time watching that mess. A lot of people will, though. A lot of people will. They'll run. They'll run to the TV to watch Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul. Good gravy. All right, don't forget, tonight uh, we got Nationals baseball. Right on this very station. Uh, Nats wrapping up their brief two-game series with the Blue Jays. And then uh, tomorrow we got uh, a big, big game in the NHL tomorrow night. Caps hosting the Penguins. The Caps, one-point lead over the Pens in the East Division standings. Of course, also tomorrow we'll talk, there's a ton more high school basketball tonight in boys' regionals and uh, girls' state playoff action in West Virginia. Tomorrow I will also have my haphazardly thrown together (laughs) mock draft. I told you, I'm not spending a bunch of time on it. I did last year, hours and hours and hours, and I got two first-round picks right. I'm not wasting a ton of time on a mock draft that's going to be 98% wrong. Not happening. But we'll talk about it tomorrow nonetheless. All right, that's it. We're done. Thank you for listening. As always, I appreciate you. Have a great day. See you back here tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. sharp. This is the Morning Rush. I am Tony C. and I am done. Ah, I'll see you.